Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, great job. Great job. That's what you're supposed to do today. That was outstanding, okay? Neville's chomping at the bit, so bring it home. <laughs> There's a new one. I didn't know alligators got paralyzed after they ate, but apparently they do, and the Cowboys will not be alligators. Meanwhile, we had some minor technical difficulties on my end earlier. They were clearly my fault. We had some minor technical difficulties on Mike Golick's end. They were not my fault, nor his fault either. His cords are all properly plugged in. We have Mike back with a cleaner audio line we hope uh i'll tell you what it got ugly last night in dallas i thought the cowboys would win i had no idea that they would obliterate washington the way that it ultimately unfolded 56 to 14 that cowboys offense we've been waiting for it to wake up it needs to wake up if they want to have any luck whatsoever in the postseason well at least for one night it woke up. Dak Prescott, if he was in a slump and he denied that he was, Jerry Jones a couple of weeks ago said, yeah, it's fair to call it that, although I wouldn't call it that. Last night, there was no slump. If it was related to that calf and that calf needed to fully heal, it looks like it's fully healed and he was awesome. And if if the Washington football team had been giving them a fight, Mike, he could have had 500 passing yards yesterday, but they eventually called the dogs off and put in Cooper Rush. Well, I tell you what, yeah, you saw, ended up seeing more than a few backups in this game, and that's a rarity in the NFL is to see backups uh, play a game because it's so out of reach. And and I'll say this again, and I know we'll get to the Washington side and the scuffle on the sideline, but but if you play long enough, Mike, this happens. Even you're, is Dallas this much better than Washington? No, they're not. But it's one of those games that gets away from you. Everything works on one side, nothing's working on the other side. So, I mean, that's what you chalk it up to. And then once it starts rolling, 
if you can't catch it, if you can't make the adjustments, if you can't kind of stop the waterfall that's starting and it turns into, you know, the, the, the dam is broken, then you're going to get rolled like this. And it happens. And it gets ugly and it gets frustrating. But from the Dallas side, I mean, we said this from day one when we've seen them go without Tyron Smith, who was still out, missed the game because of his ankle. When they had both their receivers out, uh, Lamb and Cooper. You know, when, when they've had guys that have been injured on the defensive side as well, we said, if this team is whole, they're a team that can threaten. So that's the key for them. Again, we'll see where they're seated. Right now, I believe, what, they're second in the NFC, which is great. But for them, they need to be whole. Teron Smith, we'll see if he can come back and make it back. They're resting up that ankle, which is the, the right thing to do. You have a great two heads in the, in the backfield. We know about Zeke, but Pollard has been playing well. So if this team is right, and I know every team says that, to be healthy and right, and you need to be going into the playoffs. But my point is this team can be really dangerous. We keep talking about Kansas City and Buffalo being the top two, and maybe the Colts with the way they play. In the NFC, it's a little deeper than that with Tampa Bay, you know, with Green Bay, uh, obviously with Dallas that we're talking about as well. It's a little more deep, I think, in the NFC as far as teams that could make it out of there. And if Dallas is healthy enough, they could be one of those teams. That defense, Micah Parsons is ridiculous with, with his versatility and what he's doing, that entire defense. So they're, they're a fun watch right now when they're healthy. Well, and the Cowboys have just kind of stumbled into this two seed because they hadn't been impressive in recent weeks until last night when they beat Washington a few weeks ago. They they had some defensive plays early on that helped them build a lead, and then they had a hard time holding lead. And then the Giants game, it was kind of a slow suffocation, but they weren't awesome in that game either. Last night they were awesome, and here they are in that two spot. And when you look at the tiebreakers, they didn't play the Packers this year, so there's no head head-to-head outcome that would control who would get the one seed. But the Cowboys are 9-1 and in the conference. The Packers currently 8-2. and The Packers have a one-game lead. If the Packers would lose and the Cowboys uh, win out, the Cowboys would be the one seed. It's unbelievable to think of that. Cowboys win the next two and the Packers lose one of the final two. Now they've got... I think the Lions week 18, they've got the Vikings on Sunday night football, but that's a huge game for the Packers. They need that one seed. They need those teams to have to come to Lambeau Field. The idea that the Cowboys could end up as the top seed in the NFC with all those great teams really would be remarkable. But but you're right, Mike. I, I get the sense that that it's a lot deeper, and it's going to be driven by matchups, injuries, COVID, bad calls or good calls if you're on the other side of that bad call. Because for every bad call, yeah. there's a good call. There's a team that has unfairly benefited from that. But, uh, yeah, the Cowboys are capable of doing it. And last night we saw what they're capable of doing when it's all firing for them the way it should. The question is, can they keep that going? Oh, that is the question. Listen, this whole year, I think the word is consistency. Who's been most consistent? We see the streaks now, like Kansas City and Miami, but you see the record. You see what Green Bay is doing. Well, Green Bay is doing what they did the last two years, right? 13-3 and three the last two years. Now we have a 17th game, so we'll see what the record's going to be. But now they've got to close the deal, right? It's always been around, man, you have Aaron Rodgers all these years, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You have one Super Bowl. 
everybody thinks they should have been in more, and they've been in position the last two years. But can they close out the deal once you get to the playoffs? You know Tampa Bay can because they did it last year, and you know they're talented there. But at times, they've looked horrible, especially getting shut out uh, like they did against uh, the, the Saints uh, a, a bit ago. So th that, to me, has been it. Consistent. The Rams are a double-digit win team as well. And at times, they look great. But you, you know, and, and I'm sure you would agree, at times, you scratch your head with them as well. Saying, man, they're so talented, especially on the defensive side. How are they giving up these yards? Or how are they giving up these points? So that, to me, has been the whole thing is consistency. And I think what you said earlier, I think, makes a lot of sense. Normally, it's been by Thanksgiving. You kind of know who you are. Now, it very well could be Christmas. And even going forward, we may not know because of COVID and who it may cost you even going forward. So it's just been a different kind of year. Fort Washington, they started the year two and two, four straight losses into their bye, four straight wins out of the bye, got them to six and six and thrust them into the playoff conversation. Since then, it's been lost to the Cowboys, lost to the Eagles, lost to the Cowboys. And last night, the frustration boiled over in the first half when it was 28 to seven. Durant Payne and Jonathan Allen got into it on the sideline. It, it was ugly. You see Payne get up and he puts his finger onto Allen's face and Allen put his fist right cross onto Payne's face and they got separated, they sat down. Payne was still upset after that. You can see there were a couple other times he stood up and guys pulled him back down and it just kind of kept going for a while there. N not a good development when you have two guys who are lining up next to each other on the field. I mean, I was kind of wondering, is there going to be post-play these two guys wrestling? I I who do you throw the flag on? If you've got two guys from the same team who are fighting each other after a play. But for a while, I thought that was going to happen, Mike. You know, you see that from time to time. Uh, it's been a while, though. Uh, it's, it's, it's human nature. It happens. It's a physical sport. I'm sure that you've seen some of that stuff both on the sidelines or in the locker room, behind closed doors or out in the open. Sometimes guys get upset and it flashes like it did last night. Oh, listen, I, and, and, and Mike, I don't put anything into it. It's emotion. You're getting your butts handed to you. You're getting drilled on the field uh, by halftime. And for whatever set it off, set it off. It happens. It happens in the heat of the moment. Whether And, and yes, I've been part of it, both involved in it and, you know, on the periphery, on the outside looking in. In the locker room, it happens. On the sideline, it happens. It wouldn't, they wouldn't be fighting each other on the field. I, I, I've never seen that, uh, me personally anyway, so I didn't think it would go that far. But I know the camera was sure on the two of them because it is kind of wild. They play right next to each other on that defensive line. But what you do in that situation is just keep them apart. You know, at, at some point, there's no sense in talking to them because especially Jerron Payne, he was hot. And, I mean, the camera was on him, and he wasn't calming down. So all you do at that point, if you're Jonathan Allen, is stay away, just separate. No need to be in each other's face trying to talk to them, say calm down. They know, but there at that moment, it needs to boil over. It, it needs to just, the, it, the smoke needs to stop coming out of their ears. Everybody just needs to leave them alone, keep a distance between them so one isn't going to make a run at the other and just let it be. Because you saw at one point, a teammate tried to come up to Deron Payne and talk to him, and there was a guy sitting next to him on one of his teammates just say no, leave them be. 
You know, just don't talk to them. Just let it all calm down. And that's what you do in that situation. Keep the players apart and just let that thing calm down. I have no idea what, how it ended up after the game. I'm sure at some point we'll hear, or maybe we won't. Maybe they'll keep it in the locker room and say it's locker room business, and that's fine by me. But I have a feeling that those two are going to be just fine uh, because this stuff does happen, whether it's right there on the sideline like that. But it happens more often than not in the locker room, and you do it. It's frustration. You have at it, and then, it, then, then it's over, and then you move on. Yeah, speaking of the locker room, we all became aware several years ago of the IKN and Polly sucker punch of Geno Smith over some stupid little thing. But there's all sorts of stupid little things that result in guys throwing fists in the locker room, and we don't see that. We saw it last night. We heard after the game Coach Ron Rivera of the Washington football team and also Jonathan Allen discussing what transpired between Allen and Payne. Here they are. Any reaction to the, I guess, fight between John Allen and Deron Payne. Oh, I had no idea about that. Okay. I was told about it later after it had happened. And uh, I've talked to both of them. What did they say? I talked to both of them. What I, what my players say to me is really nobody's business. Uh, it's just a little brotherly disagreement. Maybe uh, the wrong place, wrong time, but hey, it happened. It is what it is. I mean, you got, you got brothers. You got fight, don't it? It happened. I I mean I guess you know I I, I yeah yeah I I I don't have any brothers but I have friends who from time to time I'd like to punch in the face and they'd like to punch me in the face it it never we're never pressed <laughs> against each other so tightly that that happens but but I I get it and as you said it's football it's a physical game it's an emotional game you're gonna have these moments and it it, it was it was a stunning thing because we don't see it spill over on national television right. with millions watching on a regular basis. I think that's what made it a bigger deal. But the reality is these things happen, and they probably happen far more than we realize when no one is paying attention. Without question. And, and they happen quickly, and then they're over quickly. And I think, I think Ron Rivera, I mean, I love what he said. And when my players talk to me, between me and my players, I 100% agree with that. And Jonathan Allen, I, I, I love what he said. It's a brotherly disagreement, man. I mean, these guys have been teammates from college to, to now the NFL, and, and it happens. It just happened to happen on, on, on national TV, and it's a very physical sport. It's a violent sport. Uh, it's a sport where you lay hands on other people on every single play of a game. So that's kind of a natural way to react when you're in that setting. I'm not saying when you're on the street, you know, after the game. They're in their pads. They're in that setting where this is what they do. And that's how they react. And that's how, that's how when you're on the field, you kind of take care of your business in a physical way. In this case, it just happened to be two teammates who had a disagreement. Two very large teammates, by the way. So you got to be careful who wants to step in between that. Usually leave it to the other linemen to stay in between those two large individuals doing it. Doing it, But it'll blow over. Like I said, as quick as it happens, for the most part, not every single time, for as quick as it happens, it blows over just as quick. And I would imagine that's what's going to happen in this case as well. 
All right, the Rams went to Minnesota yesterday, and the Rams trying to take control of the NFC West. The Vikings, the good news was they didn't blow a lead yesterday. The bad news is they never had a lead to <laughs> blow. The Rams got up 10 to nothing and held the Vikings off throughout the remainder of the day. Final score, 30-23. to 23. Four straight wins for the Rams after that three-game losing streak that happened after they traded for Vaughn Miller and then acquired Odo Beckham Jr. They get the win. And, Mike, I think this is the hallmark of a team that, that is destined for potentially big things. When you can get a win on the road, when your starting quarterback throws three interceptions, you're doing something right if you still win that game by a touchdown. Oh, listen, I completely agree. And, and, and this, is what, this is what we expect, quite honestly, at least I did, out of the Rams is the defensive side of the ball. And this is what I talked about earlier with the Chargers. When Herbert throws a couple of interceptions, who picks it up? You know, what other, that, that's when you know you can be a team that can do something going forward and into the postseason. When supposedly one of your best players in Stafford, and we, we've seen some interceptions out of him, is doing that, how do you pick up the slack? You know, who picks up the slack? And they were able to do it. You know, they were able to, to pull out a win when your quarterback is throwing interceptions. So to me, that's a sign of a good team. Is not fold the tents, not to say, okay, it's going against us right now, because we know Minnesota on the other side has a very potent offense and could put points on the board. So to me, a lot of this was going to be on the defensive side of the ball for the Rams to stop them, especially when your quarterback's giving the team the other ball and giving them good field position. I mean, that, that, that's the thing you've you got to remember. It's not just a turnover, but that changes field position. So now the defense has a different mentality of, hey, usually it's stop them three and out and make them punt. Now it's stop them from being able to kick a field goal or stop them from getting into the end zone because they're already in our territory. So that, to me, ends up being a good sign when your quarterback is having a rough game, but other parts of your team can pick it up. And the Vikings continue that win one, lose one, win a couple, lose a couple, hovering right around 500. They're now 7-8. and eight. They've got that Sunday night trip to Green Bay. It's supposed to be cold. Shocker. Green Bay in early January at night. It will be cold. Down near zero is the current forecast for the Vikings with whatever hope they have. And they may win the next two and still not make it. 9-8 and eight may not be good enough in the NFC. This is the first year of the 17-game experiment. I hate to call it an experiment because it's not like it's going away. The only way it's going to change is if they go to 18 games. They're never going back to 16. But the Vikings now, I think, uh, basically done, Mike. Look, if you can't show up and have energy out of the gates at home with your backs against the wall, against a team that has shown that it has flaws, and the Vikings are good enough. I mean, if they play that game 10 out of 10 times, the Vikings are good enough to win three, maybe four times in Minnesota against that Rams team. Maybe maybe th- I'll go three and a half times out of 10, the Vikings would win. So, you know, they just didn't, they didn't rise to the occasion. And that's something that Justin Jefferson, their star receiver, who ended up breaking the record for the most receiving yards for the first two years of anyone's career. He actually broke the record set by Odo Beckham Jr., who was there that day and scored a touchdown against the Vikings. 
but there's some stuff from Jefferson that they better heed in Minnesota as they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Guys not have energy in the first half of the game. The offensive play calling, Jefferson kind of complained about that. He said, I only control what I control, but when they're down in the red zone, he wants them to be more aggressive and try to score touchdowns instead of field goals. And it just it felt like the Vikings had chances, but they never really woke up. They never really asserted themselves against the Rams, and, and now they're they're basically done. If they make it to the playoffs now, it'll be a surprise. And you know what? It'll be even even bigger surprise if they get to the playoffs and manage to actually have any success when they get there because they, they just, they're just not good enough this year. They're inconsistent. Listen, it was a team before this game that had at least a six-point lead on every team they played against. Now, the Rams led wire to wire here, but they had a lead in every game, and they're basically a 500. They'll end up one below or one above 500. It's it's the word of the day that we're using. It's inconsistent because, Mike, off the top of your head, can you name me a better team or a better threesome of running back and two receivers than Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson? Anywhere in the league. You know, you can talk about just two receivers. Maybe you go Tyreek Hill and, and uh, uh, Travis Kelsey as far as the receivers. But throw in a back as well. I mean, th- they have that talent. On, uh, you know, maybe Zeke and, and Lamb and Cooper, possibly as far as three are concerned. But they have talent on that offensive side. But they're not consistent, whether it's with the passing game at times, the play calling, the running in the defense, certainly at times looks good and at times looks horrific. So this is another one of those. You've got some talent on that offensive side, especially at receiver and running back, that you've got to do something with before time runs out on you, uh, because I think it is going to run out on them this year, and then it's going to be, okay, what do they do next year that we don't expect them to be a Midland team again, right? Not a great team, not a horrible team, but a team stuck right in the middle that really does nothing for you. Yeah, just good enough has been good enough for the Wilfs in recent years, although it may not be good enough this year. Mike Zimmer could be out after eight seasons with the team, and This is the first year that there's that two-week window opening tomorrow to get a head start to interview assistant coaches from other teams with permission. You've got to have a coaching vacancy to make that happen. And if Minnesota still alive, you're not going to make that move now. They're not going to make that move today. Watch, they're going to make that move today. As I say, there's no way they're going to make that move. But why would you? Number one, there isn't a viable interim coach candidate on the coaching staff, which may be one of the reasons why they're 7-8 and right now frankly, but you're still alive. You can't fold the tents while you're still alive and you have a trip to Green Bay that if you'd win that game on Sunday night, you could potentially get yourself into the playoffs. So I think their hands are tied. There's another team, though, whose hands may not be tied, the Carolina Panthers. They hosted the Buccaneers yesterday. The Bucs are back. The Panthers are sinking. A.B. returns from suspension. We'll unpack everything that happened in Charlotte on Sunday between these two NFC South rivals when PFT Live continues right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Price drop. Time to shop. Get to a Nordstrom Rack store today for first dibs on new markdowns. Now score even more, up to 70% off brands everyone loves at Nordstrom Rack. 
denim, dresses, sneakers, tops, and more. Plus, get genius deals on jackets, sweaters, and boots for the whole family. Shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and save up to 70% with new markdowns. But hurry, deals this great won't last. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Feels great. I mean, this is what we focused on to win our division. And um, our guys did it today. And um, can't be more prouder of, of the group that played today. They won the Super Bowl last year, but they didn't win the division. It's their first division title since 2007, Mike Golick. So, look, look, we, we know how the Colts like to hang banners for things they shouldn't hang banners for. Division, no. Super Bowl, yes. Bucks back on track after that shutout, 32-6 to victory they have over the Carolina Panthers. And I think the most important aspect, Tom Brady pivoting to other guys. You know, last year there was a greater sense of interchangeable parts on the Tampa Bay offense. One guy goes out, another guy comes in, they don't miss a beat. Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times told us on PFTPM last week, this year it's more about Brady's guys. It's more about Brady's offense. And his guys were Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Leonard Fournette. And now they're gone. Well, And Gronk. Gronk's still there. But these three guys that you see on the screen, Antonio Brown, Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn, they stepped up yesterday. And Brady develops the rapport with them. Brown was back after an extended absence due to injury and suspension. But this is exactly what the Buccaneers need, Mike, if they're going to be players in January because Goblin's not coming back. Evans is week-to-week with a hamstring. Fournette was on crutches with a hamstring injury. That's a pretty bad hamstring injury if you're on crutches over it. So, And he's on injured reserve right now, and we'll miss the rest of the regular season. So that was exactly what the Buccaneers needed yesterday. Tom Brady clicking with guys that he hasn't been clicking with for much of the season. You know, one of the things that can be difficult in, in football uh, is quality depth because of the roster size and because of the salary cap and who you're paying and what the money you have left to get who you can get. So a lot of it comes down to, as, as Jimmy Johnson always said way back when, man, getting those steals in the fourth through seventh round, getting that free agent to come to you, get that unsigned, that undrafted free agent, and it comes down to scouting, it comes down to good GM work, comes down to a lot of stuff. You know, you look at the Colts, what Chris Ballard has done, getting depth there, which they really needed in their last game against the Cardinals, and they get a win there. So that stuff's important. So you can throw up a graphic like that. Outside of Antonio Brown, we know who he is, but Ronald Jones too. But some guys where all of a sudden backups are getting a chance, and you have brought them along well, coached them well, saw something in them to bring them on that team that says they can get the job done, and then they get it done. Because this is a great split, 31 runs, 30 passes. You know, that's what you want. Even with the great Tom Brady, you would love that 50-50 split. That means things are going well for you and other guys are stepping up. You knew he was going to get Antonio Brown involved in this game coming back from his suspension. But when other guys are able to step up and get a win, now again, it was against Carolina. And if they go into the playoffs, 
you know, and they're missing. We know Godwin won't be around, but if the other guys aren't healthy around back, then even more, you know, falls on the shoulders of some of these uh, guys that aren't used to playing a lot, and then we'll see there as well. How about Cyril Grayson targeted three times, three catches, 81 yards with a long of 62 by Tom Brady. So he's getting quickly, by necessity, comfortable with guys that he hadn't been using and throwing the ball to very often. I mentioned Brown. You mentioned Brown. He was targeted 15 times, 10 catches for 101 yards. After the game, in his first session in weeks with the media, thanks to the protocols that keep the media out of the locker room, Brown was asked about the reason why he missed the last three games over a little vaccination card snafu, i.e. fake card. Here he is being asked about that. I know Coach Arians had told you when you came to this team, you know, you screw up one time and, and you're done. And some people would deem what happened as a screw up, but Coach Arians stood by your side and, and he brought you back. Just what did it mean for you after being here for a year to have a coach Next question. standing in your corner? Next question. We just want to talk about this game. We don't, we don't want to waste no time with you guys writing in bogus. Res- respectfully, respectfully, yeah. Antonio, we haven't talked to you yet. We haven't yeah, talked to you I don't want to talk time. about that. You got you guys is all drama. It's all about football. We, we don't talk about Carolina. I don't want to talk to you guys. Listen, listen. This is the guy who has created more drama single-handedly in the National Football League in the last three seasons than any other player. We could go back to the moment that he found out that Juju Smith-Schuster was the team MVP for the 2018 season in Pittsburgh. He got pissy about that. Sorry, London. Threw the ball reportedly at Ben Roethlisberger in practice. Stormed out and never came back. Went on an elaborate effort to get out of Pittsburgh. And then everything after that, very well documented what happened with the Raiders, what happened with the Patriots, the lawsuits, the the altercation with the driver, the moving truck that he didn't want to pay when he was bringing all of his stuff back to Miami from Oakland at the time, everything that happened after that, this guy has been one thing after another. So don't say we're all drama. We're here to help the fans enjoy the game. We're here to add spice to the game and cover the game and make it come to life for the fans so they feel more engaged by it and entertained by it. He's the source of the drama, Mike. He and, and look, the reason he doesn't want to talk, anything he says can and will be used against him. He can still be prosecuted for using a fake vaccination card. That's why he didn't want to talk. Listen, uh, what you said is 100% correct. Every, everything that's when he's been in the headline, he can look in the mirror for. I mean, we all know that. Uh, he's an I, I, me, me guy. He's an attention seeker. He wants the headline. But all of a sudden, I, I will say, when he went to Tampa Bay, all of a sudden you didn't see the social media anymore. He didn't put the spotlight on himself. He just played. And we know he's a great player. We know he's a great receiver when he's right. But he's an I guy. He's a me guy. Always has been, always will be. And, you know, that reporter was right to say, with all due respect, we haven't had a chance to talk to you. And the question wasn't even about the Vax card. It was about your coach. You know, why not? To me, it, it, it's almost simple as you and because he has every right to do what he did. He, he showed up. You know, I'm just showing up because I don't want to get fined. You know, if you want to go down that road, he showed up and he has every right to say, I don't want to talk about it. That's his right to do. But then it's our right to go ahead and talk about him not doing it. So, you know, I mean, there's there's that retaliation or not retaliation. There's our response to which he'll just say media is full of drama. 
She asked him about his coach sticking by him. I mean, what's so hard about say I appreciate that? And if any question comes up about the, the fake Vax card, he can just say, listen, I can't talk about that. You know, he can say for whatever, legal reasons or whatever, I can't talk about that. But he, but he damn well sure could talk about his coach sticking up for him because he did. Listen, Arians is the one who drew the line in the sand and said one screw up and he's gone and then said, because I get why he brought him back. You know, that part didn't shock me. They needed him to come back. Arians just looked somewhat bad because he drew the line in the sand, you know, an indelible marker saying one screw up and you're gone. And you heard, you know, Bruce Arians when he was questioned about that saying, I don't give a damn what anybody else thinks, nor should he, nor should he. But it's still, we still can bring it up because that, that's what we do now. I mean, he's the one who said it. We didn't say it. We're just repeating what you said, and then you went against what you said. That's all. But Antonio Brown, does that surprise us? I mean, we haven't seen him. We haven't talked to him, and we know the protocols. Why? But why should that surprise us? Didn't surprise me one bit that he answered it like that, uh, that he avoided it, uh, that he doesn't want to talk about it because it puts him in a bad light, not in a good light. Like I said, he's always one of the guys that shines a light on himself. So, you know, his issues have been right. Look in the mirror. And those are your issues. But he doesn't care what anybody thinks because on the field, in all honesty, let's say it, he is a great player. And he is going to help this team and has helped this team before. So he can sit up in front of that microphone and do whatever he damn well pleases. And that's what he's doing. You made an excellent point, though. It would have been okay for him to say it means a lot to me that the coach has my back. Arians has talked about it multiple times over the course of the last week. He's got comments to Peter King in Football Morning in America, finally harmonizing why he said what he said in October of 2020. He screws up one time and he's gone. What's happened since then to cause him to give Antonio Brown another chance? He could have commented on that. What I think happened, Mike, and then I, we, we got to pivot to the other side of this game, but... I think what happened was when Brown came back last Monday, when he was reinstated, he went off on social media and he said some stuff there he shouldn't have said. And I have a feeling somebody told him, just don't say anything about any of this. That's it. It's done. It's over. And he was merely following those orders by shutting down anything that even got remotely close to the issue of the fake vax card. Because I suspect, and I said it myself, even though it's entertaining to have him have one of these social media meltdowns, you still could get prosecuted. If it's my son, my brother, my cousin, my friend, my nephew, anyone I know, my client, whoever I'm saying, shut up, stop it. And I think that's why he did what he did. All right, Matt Rule did not shut up yesterday. He had his fifth straight loss. They were chanting fire Rule at Bank of America Stadium. Here's Rule explaining why things are on track in a way that I'm not sure I understood last night when I heard it, and I don't understand it anymore today. Let's see if you understand it, Mike Golick and everyone else who's listening. Here's Matt Rule. I believe it's 1,000% working. I just know no one can see it, and I apologize. Uh, I tell our team all the time, it took Jay-Z like seven years. <laughs> it, took, it took him seven years. He had to start his own agency to, to become famous, to become an overnight sensation. Like, it takes time. I... I... You know, Jay Z was famous before he started his agency, and uh, I, I just I look set all that aside because I don't understand it. I know this, Mike. You don't get seven years in the NFL. You may not get two years in the NFL, and 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 there have been plenty of coaches who get one year in the NFL. Every time there's a guy who's fired after one year and people lose their minds, I've got a 
post from a few years ago, and I update it every time it happens again. A lot of guys, over 10 guys, have been one and done over the past 20, 25 years. It happens. And for Matt Rule, with, with David Tepper, the owner of the team, very impatient when it comes to quarterbacks, if he has that same impatience when it comes to coaches, he's the guy. He's the guy I'm watching most closely. Him and Matt Nagy, the Bears coach, as the ones who could be cleared out today so the teams can get a head start tomorrow on interviewing assistant coaches from other teams in that 12-day window before the end of the season. First time ever. It's going to encourage teams to fire players. I won't be surprised if Rule's gone. So listen, I'm a Matt Rule fan. I covered him when called those games when he was at Temple. It turns that around, turns it around to Baylor. But, you know, we, we have certainly seen college coaches come to the NFL uh, and struggle. And he is struggling. Uh, remember, the NFL used to be a five-year plan. Then it went down to a three-year plan. You know, and there is no and, – and I can appreciate him saying he thinks it's working behind the scenes and it takes time. But whether we like it or not, you don't get time. And let me tell you, I hate one years and fire a guy because it's not just firing a head coach. You are now taking that team and giving them a whole new system, whole new coaches on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. And to do that after one year is crazy. Now, this obviously isn't one year, but it's two years, you know, and three-year plans are even out the window. You know, to me, this started with and, and I had said it, and it's nothing against the, the player, but this is what I do. I analyze. I, I did not think Sam Darnold was a high pick when he came in to the league, when he went to the Jets. And then, you know, Carolina, to me, made the mistake of taking Sam Darnold and bringing him and saying they were, he was good, that's where he was going to get a second chance. I just didn't think that was the right move. Now, what's the right move? They don't have a quarterback. And we'll see where this draft is going to be as far as quarterbacks. We always know how it works. All of a sudden, these quarterbacks get higher rated after they're done playing between January and April, which blows my mind, uh, as well. So where are they going to go? That's where it needs to start for them, and that's where they failed at this point. They're not the only team that's failed there, but that's where they failed there so far. So do you pull the plug after two years? Well, if you get an impatient owner, you do. But, you know, so sometimes it looks to the fans like, oh, we're trying. This one didn't work. We're trying again. But sometimes you can be too impatient for your own good. Because, again, you're changing a coach. You're changing the coordinator on one side, the coordinator on the other side, um, a position coaches. You're changing scheme. You're changing everything. And then you want an immediate return again that, that first year or that second year. And sometimes it's just unrealistic. But owners have seen it done. Owners have seen losing teams go to the Super Bowl the next year, so they say it can be done because it happened there, so we want it to happen here. And I think sometimes that leads to them being more impatient than they should be. We're going to take a break. When we return, we'll look at the two games that were surprisingly good games from Christmas Day. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Third down and five at the Cleveland 11. Rodgers locked right side, throws right side. It's caught at the five. A leap toward the pylon. Touchdown, Alan Lazard. Another picture-perfect pass from Aaron Rodgers as he connects and makes history. He breaks Brett Favre's franchise record and stands alone with the most passing touchdowns in Green Bay Packer lore. 400 
and 43 for Aaron Rodgers. Congratulations, man, on passing my touchdown record. I have one request. Go get us another Super Bowl. Congrats. Don't look so happy, Brett. Jeez. All right, let's get to it. Fill in the blank from uh, Saturday. <laughs> let's start with the other side of that game, 24-22. Browns had a chance, but the fourth interception for Baker Mayfield ended the opportunity to steal the win from Green Bay. After four interceptions on Saturday, Baker Mayfield's future in Cleveland is what, Mike? Well, first off, what a hold by Rasul Douglas to get that second interception on that last play that wasn't called. <laughs> uh, my, my answer to fill in that blank, Mike, would be, my answer would be, who are you going to get? You know, if you're trading for Deshaun Watson, okay, but if not, who are you going to get? You've picked up his fifth-year option already, so are you done with him completely? I would say, unless you know exactly who you're going to get, you damn well better not get rid of him. Yeah, for me, it's very simple. It's murky. And it's murkier all the time. He may not want to be there at some point. And they don't want to pay him, clearly, what he's going to want. And it may just be time to see if they can find someone to trade that $18.8 million salary next year to and move forward. All right, the Colts are what in the AFC playoff picture? They are a threat because of their running game. Because they have the MVP and Jonathan Taylor. And they showed even with their backup O-line, they could still get the job done. So I would, my fill-in-the-blank would be they are an absolute threat. And to me, they are fun. There's something that is joyful about watching this Colts team. It's it, between Jonathan Taylor and Carson Wentz, as much as he's been maligned, and they've got this interchangeable group of receivers that can step up and get it done. Their defense is good. They're just fun to watch. After three straight losses, the Cardinals are what, Mike? Swirling down the drain. I mean, they just don't look like the team they did when Kyler Murray took more control of that offense. So swirling down the drain. Uh, yeah, there was a comment that Jalen Hurts made about flushing uh, when certain things like that happen, and the Cardinals are in the process of getting flushed. We're going to take a break. We'll have more PFT Live for you right after this. The AFC playoff picture is a beautiful mess. Look at all those teams that are trying to get the seventh seed, and they're separated by one game. The Ravens, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Steelers, the Browns, Broncos. One of them is getting in. The rest of them are going home. It'll be fun to watch as the final two weeks of the regular season unfolds. We'll be back with a Monday night preview. Dolphins Saints right after this. Oh, it's getting spicy in the NFC as well. How about this little factoid? If the Eagles and the Saints win out, they will knock the 49ers to the curb. And even if the 49ers win their final two games, that makes tonight's game between the Dolphins and the Saints. Even more important, Mike Golick, as Ian Book gets the start thanks to the COVID wave. It has 21 members of the Saints on COVID reserve. 21 members of the team not available. Ian Book gets the start. And uh, reportedly, they gave Drew Brees a phone call to come in and play. They tried Phillip Rivers. I don't know who they didn't try to have come in and play. But Ian Book's a guy they drafted this year. They feel good about him. They better. It, it all comes down to whether or not he can fend off a Dolphins team that has won six in a row, Mike. 
Yeah, listen, I, I saw Ian Book play all his games at Notre Dame. He's the winningest quarterback there. He can move enough with his legs uh, to, to get out of danger. But I think what he's going to do is either hand the ball off or throw it to Alvin Kamara. That is going to be your best way to deal with the situation. And for Miami, I mean, Tua just continues again. Nothing too, too flashy. He just continues to lead this team to wins. And if they win this one, they're right there, I believe, in that seven slot. You mentioned it. If New Orleans and Philly can win out, they knock out San Francisco. I know New Orleans loses the tiebreaker to Philly uh, at the end, but I know they can knock out San Francisco. So what a time to have a guy who hasn't played basically a snap in Ian Book. Now you're relying on him in one of the most important games you're going to have. And if the Dolphins win this game, they still have a trip to Nashville and they have a home game against the Patriots to end the season. So it won't be easy for them. Thanks as always for some of your time. Enjoy your Monday. We'll see you at 5 o'clock Eastern today for PFTPM. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.